this week on Grip and Grin. Adjust your indicators and mend the line for the perfect drift. It may be chilly out there, but the team has been chasing the hot bite of the winter months. Listen along as we recap our solo outings and discuss what's new in the bag for the upcoming spring season. and welcome to another episode of Grip and Grin. I mean, we're cranking them out now, baby. I know. It, it's the go. off season and we are ready to record. <laughs> I guess we just love recording when it's the most boring time of year and makes sense. Makes sense. But. Yeah. Last night we were talking to each other going, you're like, what are you going to do tomorrow? I'm like, I don't know, dude. <laughs> <laughs> hey, there's, there's nothing to do. Like you said, you took the trash out. Yeah, I, I did do trash today. Yep, that was uh, whew. man, that was rough. No, I, I, I couldn't even imagine, man. Uh, I, I, my sympathy's out to you. I went to an outdoor store just to look at things I could buy, but I just didn't buy them. Yeah, I mean, you don't even really need them, especially going there. <laughs> yeah, I could do that home just online, mm-hmm. but instead I went to the store and I'm like, that's cool. You know, a little uh precursor to this you could have looked into fly reels a little more but we'll jump into that later <laughs> at the place i went to i would never no at home buy a fly at, reel. at home at home oh oh, oh yeah, oh, yeah at home yes <laughs> so <laughs> i was gonna say they don't even have fly rods dude <laughs> so we're gonna i'm gonna do a lot of talking i guess because i've done a lot of solo trips and I mean a lot. So we know, we've talked about this before, but in Mass, you know, the deer season starts late, can hunt on Sundays, yep. and we don't do a lot of deer hunting together. So I didn't get my main license for a specific reason, you know, driving only one day to hunt, deal, and whatever. So that was your first year without a main license. First year Hunting ever license. in my life. Yep. So that's a, a, a big deal. And you can go back and listen to deer hunting stuff if you still have that itch. You know, those uh, two pods we put out, they're pretty stellar. <laughs> pretty stellar. But in this episode, we're going to talk about a lot of fishing and just a little bit of other stuff. But, you know, I did all my fall fly fishing except for one trip down in Mass. And um, on the last pod, we talked about how I listened to this uh, lecture where... The cold water uh, fisheries manager, overseer, gave a presentation about uh, the state of brown trout and uh, rainbow trout in a certain river system in Western Mass. And it was quite interesting to hear, you know, him talk about 80% of the brown trout in this particular river, a tailwater, are wild. 80%. Mm. Like, that's nuts. I would never expect that from such a heavily fished system. It is but mind-blowing. What, based on that that, present, that presentation that you saw, and I guess Maine people would have a different say in this maybe, but for out-of-state, which is more important? Consistent water temps or habitat? Or do you think those blend together? 
Um, I would say, we're, since we're talking about a tailwater, the temperatures aren't as much of an issue. And this is a great point because what uh, Trout Unlimited is fighting for at this particular river is increased flows during uh, their minimum flow rate. So they would increase it from, I think it's 150 CFS right now to 250. Yeah. And this would absolutely change the habitat where the habitat would have a consistent flow. So you don't go from 150 CFS to 15,000 CFS after a big rainstorm. And it just washes away all the spawning beds and all the reds from the brown trout. And that would never trout. happen. What are you talking about? Oh, it, <laughs> after all the rain we got, it, it happened. But so habitat is a big, big, big thing that I think, you know, we talked about it a lot. State of Maine doesn't know how to deal with habitat. But it's cool to see with, um, you know, the director of cold water fisheries talk about how they're trying to improve the habitat and Trout Unlimited helping fight this fight. And it should be passing through within the next year or two. And I can't even imagine the wild fish count after that. So as yep. I've been saying, fishing Western Mass, tailwater. So what am I using? I'm getting, I'm getting down dirty with nymphing only. I haven't thrown a dry fly in months. You now, now can I be? Can I ask you the question and try and give me an unbiased answer to this? That might be the hard part for you. Yeah. Is nymphing? It's very universal. Don't get me wrong. I'm gonna try and not be biased with this question, but is nymphing the go-to strategy for all of the bodies or all of the waters that you hit? So. And this is my bias. I I would say I love nymphing as much as dry fly fishing, and not many people would probably say that. If you took a poll, I would guess. I love yep. it. And strictly based off when I've fished, and most of the time when I've fished mass, it's either early, early spring, winter type time frame or uh, fall and going into winter. So those time of years you don't see a lot of dry fly action. So I couldn't be a hundred percent in me saying these waters only fish nymphs because I'm fishing when it's 32 degrees out and it's freezing rain. What about, uh, what about streamer? So I, the one thing I will say is I've done streamer fishing in this river multiple times and it, I do not get the success that I do with the nymphs. And okay, so there you go. That's that's perfect. And yeah. the two nymphs I'm mainly running is I'm always running a double nymph rig with a patch rubber legs, which is a big stone fly, and some sort of smaller emerger. And what I mean by that is you have a bead head with a soft hackle body. So you're looking at a guide's choice. You're looking at a pheasant tail merger. You're looking at... I use a pheasant tail stonefly a lot, a smaller stonefly beyond my bigger stonefly. And those flies are the key to this particular water I'm fishing. And there's other rivers. I talked about midges, midges, midges. And I do catch fish on midges in this river. But the stoneflies are way more pronounced in this particular waterway. And it gets a more, it makes the fish more aggressive. Now, you're, there are times where you're using a pretty hefty caddis uh, for your indicator 
However, what's because you have you've kind of like taught me like the different types of indicators and which indicator like the style of like mounting to your your tapered leader like which which indicator do you prefer like right now so what well, funny enough i i used to rock the uh the i forget what the name of them is cuz i don't use them it's like the foam one with the locking nut on it i can't remember the name yes. off it right now but you basically you feed your line through the top of the bobber the styrofoam yeah, yeah, piece. Yeah. yeah it's it's a bobber essentially you hook it on the top and they have this little nut they screw on and the i switched over to a foam one with just a little bit of uh toothpick that actually just seats against the line but the one i ended up using was this oros uh indicator which is like the foam one but it splits right down the middle so you have no kink in your line and it's really easy to adjust and it floats really well it is by mm-hmm. far the best indicator even though it's expensive to get a three pack is like 15 bucks which is ridiculous it's the best indicator by far oros indicator and i would run long leaders and i'm talking nine foot minimum uh usually i put enough mm. tippet on where it's 12 foot so so how when you do your your drop rig when you do your drop fly how much uh how much what weight are you using and how much lengthwise are you using so for my whole setup, if I were to run through it, I'm using a four-weight, nine-foot rod, and I'm running an Oros indicator with about 12 feet of leader, including tippet. I have the top fly, which is the heavy stone fly, which will bring those two flies down, and then I'm running them either, you know, sometimes it's 18 inches, sometimes it's 12 inches. Beneath that stone fly, I'm running a smaller merger. Yeah, so... It depends on the body of water, essentially, for the length of your uh, tippet from your uh, indicator fly, Exactly. So uh, when you went with me on your uh, famous trip and you got your first bow, I was yes, switching sir. that indicator every, I don't know, 10 yards. Like, if I get into a fast run, I drop it. If I get into a slow run, I bring it up. Um, it's all... The- dependent on the water you're looking at and by the end of the day we had high flows and we had to really run a really long deep pattern so from your stone fly to your drop from your dropper when you tie that off is that four weight or is that five weight tippet that you're tying so i'm going i normally go i have a mono taper leader down to a 4x fluoro and then from that, I'm going 5X fluoro to the second fly. Okay, so 5X. Yeah, 5X. All right. So based off what I was just saying, the water you're going to want to look for, and we're going to dive a lot more into this, is I'm looking at winter holding patterns. I, I know I fish during the fall where you have spawning browns, and they're going to be in shallower t- uh, tailout pools, but you're going to look for a slightly deeper and slightly slower water. And I'm not talking dead water. You're looking at about one uh, foot per second speed of water. So a little bit slower than a walking pace. Is that just because they're lethargic? Exactly. That time of year? So when the, the temperatures cool down, 
the water temp gets below 40, you'll know a significant decrease in fish activity. So the magic number for water temp is 40 degrees. You know, you can say 38 degrees, you can say 37, whatever. 40 right. is just an easy number, round it off. And you're looking for that type of water for those fish. And the biggest discussion for my trips down here, the biggest thing I've learned is there is a huge difference between... This one water has, again, 80% wild browns, has plenty mm -hmm. of other wild trout in it, and we'll get into that more, but the water in which you find these fish is going to be completely different. If I find a holdover, you know, they're going to be schooled up, they're going to be in deeper pools, they're going to be in like uh, what you would say easy to see spots that should hold trout. But if you're looking for a wild fish, uh, particularly a wild uh, rainbow, you're looking for that off the bean path, a little bit faster, not quite as deep of water. And you kind of mm. look at it, and if I was on a small brookie stream, I'd be like, oh, that holds a trout. Same right. applies, but you're just making the river five times as wide. Mm. And you're not having to hike in five miles because there's a road along the whole river. So you just have to look for pockets where... Oh, like my access points here, I have to quote unquote hike maybe, maybe a mile, maybe. And you're just off the bean path enough where not a lot of anglers go through and you're able to catch these wild trout. So this leads me into, you know, I went out, had many multi-fish days and one day I caught three wild rounds and all in the same run, all in the same run. And it's just, just a hair off the bean path. And this water, I wouldn't say it was skinny water because it's a big river, but you would look at it and you'd be like, really? But for sure, not a lot of people fish it, and it was just fishy enough, and it held fish. Hmm. And it, on the flip side, you know, there's some really heavily fished areas. And just beyond these heavily fished, heavily accessed areas, you can find these little diamonds it's like public land hunting almost where hunting yeah. right next to the hiking trail, all these deer pass. And I caught a monster Brown under, uh, a major route through the state under straight under right. one of the most major routes in the state. I'm fishing beneath it and I catch a plus 20 inch Brown. So it goes to show just, just getting off the bean path <laughs> You can get into all these wild fish. And again, another day I went out, and this river is known for its browns. Second, it's known for its rainbows. But I caught a wild brookie. And you were surprised yeah. when I sent that. I I was. I Because that was shortly after I caught my salmon. Yep. I caught my salmon, and then you went to... A, I mean, it was... It was like... You knew there was fish in there. You look at that, you're like... Mm-hmm. There's fish in there. But last on my list would have been a brook trout. And not just like a dinker. That brook trout was what, fourteen inches? Oh yeah. And wild they don't stock brookies in there. It's not even a holdover. That's just a trout. That's insane. Why haven't we caught more brook trout in there then? I, I, I have no idea. I the only thought is is you know, everywhere else it gets heavily fished and they're forced into these tight little pockets. Excuse me. And 
you know, I've showed you on, you know, on X looking over this river in particular. I'm like, oh, if we hike in here, there's a nice bend that I don't think anyone fishes. And that's exactly where I caught that brookie where I'm pretty sure over the thousands of anglers that hit this river, they don't go in that far and are able to hook up onto a wild brookie of that size. Well, that day, that day that we left too, how many trucks did we count? Was it eight? Yep. Yep. And I've seen... Like, when we left, when we left, it, we walked up a little ways, and then we saw three guys uh, in the river. We're like, oh, there's some anglers. And then as we drove out, we crossed over the bridge or whatever, and we're like, holy shit. There were at least eight trucks, but there was probably twice as many people. And not to mention all the people that float this river, there is mm-hmm. a lot of guides that go on this river. A lot of people by themselves on their uh, on their floats going down with their dogs. I mean, I remember this one time I was talking to you on the phone where I was fishing this run. Guy shows up with this float. He's about to dump in. I catch a rainbow in front of him. I'm like, hey, they're right here in front of you. And I left. And there was at least 12 trucks along the road when I left and multiple floats. It, it's crazy the amount of fishing pressure it gets and how, how well it's managed to still produce wild fish, which leads me into maybe one of my favorite fish I caught this fall was this wild rainbow. And this rainbow, and you'll, you'll learn once we go to Vermont. Holy <laughs> shit, was it a fight. Where I get into these perfect, you know, undercut bank. It's like four feet deep. But I can like wade out and it's like shin deep for most of it. Get a perfect drift on. It's holding in slightly uh, shallower water. And I hook up and this fish is jumping four feet out of the water. It was, Jesus. I fought this fish for, it felt like as long as my striper. It was just, I, every time it would get close, it would take off and go right into my reel. And it, it was. Now that, those rainbows. To kind of this kind of goes back into what you were talking about with mass fishing. You pointed out that rainbows uh, spawn in the fall. Yes, correct. Yes. So when they spawn in the fall, they're closer to shore when you're trying to target those rainbows. When do they make that transition from the those shallow waters of spawning to then that deeper water when they're more lethargic in the winter time? When does that transition usually take place? So uh, a little correction: the rainbows mostly spawn in the spring. Some do spawn in the fall, but the majority of browns are the ones that are in shallower waters in the fall, and you'll find them in different okay. holding patterns. And with this perfect segue into right after this wild rainbow I caught, right? And this looks like rainbow holding water where it's, and you'll, for all you true anglers out there, you'll see what I'm saying is there's a good amount of fast water, but there's a little bit of like two foot deep water, a little bit slower towards the end of the pool, which you would typically, typically find a spawning brown. And I, I made sure to watch out for reds when I was walking through, but I hooked into this monster of a brown, absolute monster. And it was in a spot where I was so not ready for it because it was in, again, this shallower water, which I wasn't really expecting a fish to hold, but it was in a slower seam in the river 
which would make sense mm. as a perfect spawning ground for that brown. But, you know, it broke off my 5X tippet, and I was absolutely pissed. But those fish make the transitions from summer holding patterns. They move up into these uh, tighter areas, let's say October time frame, and that's when you can throw a streamer and it's really successful. Go back and listen to our uh, other fishing outing that we talked about in the previous pod. And... Um, yeah. Once, you know, you get into December, there's still a spawning fish, but those fish will move into deeper, slower waters like I was talking about earlier. So you get this. I fished in this transition period between spawn to winter holding patterns, which was interesting to see, like, that late in the year, that brown was holding in its uh, spawning pattern because that was quite late in the season for spawning. And I wish, I so wish I could have hooked into that because that fish would have been absolutely... What was that, uh, what was that fly? So, again, a perfect segue. All these wild fish (laughs) would take the natural pattern. So, you know, I talked about there's different holding waters for fish between holdovers and wild trout. But they also, there's definitely a difference in what flies they take. All these wild fish I talked about, the three wild browns, the wild brookie, the uh, wild bow, and this monster brown I lost were all off these smaller beadhead emergers. With the, uh, huh. They weren't going after the big stone fly. And I did, you know, I did catch a couple wild browns on the big stone, but that's hmm. more of an attractor pattern to the more natural pattern that follows it. So it was quite. Is that because of where those bigger fish were, though? Uh, I wouldn't say necessarily because the the stone fly would be much more presented right in their face, and then they would have to see that, and then this other fly would be coming by them. So it definitely shows their selectiveness towards a more natural looking pattern. If you're looking for wild fish in a heavily uh, pressured area. But if you're targeting holdovers, you can throw much a lot more junk flies at them. So your junk flies would be squirmy worms, egg patterns, right. mops. And I wouldn't consider the Pat's rubber legs, I wouldn't consider it a junk fly, but it's flirting on it a little bit because it has the rubber legs on it. So this river also produces a sh- shit ton of stone flies which makes sense why they eat these big stones. But if you go online and you look up, you know, look up this river and most of the videos online, you'll see people throwing junk flies and they're just catching holdover stockies. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll say this, though, just to not, just so we don't discredit this, but, like, make sure that, obviously, this is fly fishing in a nutshell. Like, when you go to a body of water, like you do, in mass per se and you're like oh and i know but like oh i'm gonna throw a massive fucking hopper it doesn't make sense because of like the surrounding environment necessarily do you see what i'm Mm -hmm. saying like Mm -hmm. and for the time of year so like with the with a stonefly my question i guess this is kind of a rabbit hole but it's a very like precise rabbit hole meaning when you throw a stonefly at a at a pool or something, is it necessarily like 
are they going to eat it in the sense of are there stoneflies above them in the current? Or do you think they just don't give a shit? You see what I'm trying to say? Yeah, so like, I, I... When th- you miss a fish, when you miss a fish, are you missing that fish because, like, they're looking at that going, that's not fucking, like, what the hell is that? You know what I mean? So I've I've done enough research on this river to know I've paired these flies perfectly for what actually is going on in the ecosystem. So I know... That in the winter, which that's fly fishing, exactly. Right? That's what you're trying to do exactly. as a fly fisherman. And we're not per, like, if you throw a mop fly, I know you don't have, you have no idea what a mop fly is, but for fuck th- no. For those of you that do, <laughs> it, it it represents something, but is it really representing anything, or is it like throwing a spinner? Uh, I would say it's about the same. I don't know. I'm not discrediting a mop fly. I'll throw a mop fly any day of the week, but it's. A little more satisfying for me personally when I'm throwing something that quote unquote matches the hatch, even though the hatch is below surface and the stonefly is actually in their uh, their menu plan for that time of year. And it goes back to this thought that we talked about in one of our podcasts is like that's the cool part about fly fishing. You are getting down to the minute details of the color of the fly like it's just looking exactly like flipping over rocks what are they actually eating like looking at their it's almost like walking into a restaurant you look at the menu before you eat there and you're like that's not what i feel like versus like when you're spin casting and like just like trying to rake in fish you're like mm, i'm gonna throw on just this this spinner of some mm-hmm, sort mm-hmm. not really giving a shit about what those fish are actually eating yeah, it's just like let's just see if one bites it. And that like I go down another rabbit hole and you know where I stand on this. I love dry fly fishing and I love nymphing pretty much equally. I like streamer fishing. But there's the kind of um uh what do you want how do I want to word this? The conventional tackle aspect to streamer fishing where it's you're still representing a fish that's in there, but it, it, at the same time, you're almost throwing a spinner, but it, you have a little more finesse to it type of deal. It, are you? Do you kind of see that as like people fishing for salmon in Alaska that are just snagging them with a big hook? Yes, like pretty. You're just kind of like raking that through the water and see if one hits it, like kind of. And I'm again, I'm, I would definitely rank streamer fishing well above using a spinner, like. Yeah. Light years apart. Oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> but I still, I feel it a little bit when I'm doing it. And it's it's not that I want to think that, but I, I will streamer fish and I can't wait to tie up some streamers because it's absolutely fun to fish them. But I, th- I feel that a little bit, just a hint of it. When you're th- swinging that through, it's like I'm not mending. But at the same time, yeah, it you're... you're I, I understand what you're saying. I love I, I love the art of matching the hatch, even if it's subsurface, and catching them on a an in, what they think is an insect, a natural fly going through. That's that gets what that gets me going pretty much. That you tied from a turkey that was shot this past exactly. year, exactly you know, shit like that, exactly. Yeah. So that kind of wraps up, you know, my fall in what thirty minutes. <laughs> that's kind of nuts, <laughs> but. You yeah. um, you're also getting in the woods a little bit here. 
I have to. <laughs> I'm bored as hell. I'm bored as fuck. Um, yeah, like, I actually pulled... So, oh, dude, I pulled my cameras early because I was bored and I needed something to do. Um, so Can I just add one thing? What? Yeah, go. Yeah, absolutely. Let me just mark the day where my cameras last in the woods longer than you. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. Is that crazy? <laughs> so- <laughs> For the guy that really, really is over deer hunting right now, that's just a wild stat. <laughs> yes, that this that's a first. It has to be. Uh, uh, maybe, no, because I, I pulled my I cameras know. last year before I stopped hunting. Jesus. Either way, um, that's a great statistic to throw in there. Um, <laughs> went out to check. So I had to pull game cameras, but at the same time, I had to sight in my shotgun, uh, getting ready for squirrel mm-hmm. season, but also turkey season. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was uh, an eventful uh, afternoon. Uh, but when I was pulling cameras, it oh, it was like bittersweet, but, you know, got a, got a chirp with a red squirrel there and... Uh, we're on the board for squirrel hunting uh, in the state of Maine. Red squirrels are open season, so uh, I let them have it. And uh, had a game camera right there. I was like, "Oh, maybe it will like get it on camera." It, it didn't, ah. which sucked. But anywho, I did. Um, I pulled game cameras. I just tonight. I just finished all the SD cards, and I uh, FaceTimed you uh, before this uh, podcast. And I said, dude, check this out. I have, so I have currently six uh, bucks that I know of that made it through the hunting season. Um, and I thought, well, you know Drax. That mm-hmm. picture of Drax, dude. Oh, my goodness. And just so you guys know, I will post that photo on the Instagram. That deer is looking mighty fine. Dude, like, he should be at Cabela's right now. Just, <laughs> I know, I know. It, um, it is a just a gorgeous deer. But so I was looking at the pictures of Drax just drooling, and I pulled up pictures of, and this, I will say this because we we talked about it. I we literally talked about the fact of oh I hope I get like a a rogue buck or you mentioned something mm-hmm. about a a nomad type of buck coming through this area, and wouldn't you friggin' believe it? I got pictures, and that deer that I thought was half in the frame because we talked about this on the last pod, the deer that I got he's half in the frame of the camera, and then at one point he walks with his head down in front of my camera i can still see like a little bit of his antlers it's a completely rogue buck that i've never seen before never seen this buck before and he's got five on one side and then he's got like a kicker on his left side off his g3 and uh, and by kicker i mean like it's probably what one inch yeah, right now yeah one inch and dude monster dude <laughs> if he sticks around for next year and Drax is still within the vicinity 
You're looking mighty fine. I'll put it that way. Decisions. Like, decisions. Ugh. Drax is fucking huge. Um, he's big. He's big. Um, but deer season's over. Uh, oh, wait. So we'll one one, one slight thing is VP is missing. <sighs> yeah. Only- VP's missing. And, but you had all your spikes. I have, yeah, it's fucked up. I have all my fucking spikes, and my dad's like, that's cream of the crop right there. He goes, that's that's future <laughs> plot right there. I'm like, all right, Dad. Like, yeah, okay. But that's like two, three years from now, you know? Um, but uh, I do have uh, another shooter. So I have those two big bucks on camera still that made it through hunting season. And then I have a third buck. Uh, Brock is what I called him early season. He made it too, and he'll he'll be he'll be respectful next year. But I don't think. Yeah, I mean he was a he was a shooter this year. Don't get me wrong. If I saw him, I was gonna shoot him. <laughs> um, and then that shit happened. But um, but yeah, it, we'll see. We'll see what happens in July. There's a lot of time between now and July. Yep. There's a lot a of lot cars of on the road and then maybe mm-hmm. snowed in the forecast. Coyotes. Coyotes. Yep. Cold temps. Food sources. I'm just curious what Drax eats. That's my biggest. Roids. Yeah. He definitely <laughs> is shooting up. We got to check between his hooves because. Well, everybody was like, what's that fucking hump on his back? I'm like. He's fucking built like a hoss, <laughs> dude. Like, he's roid now. He's probably going to eat some right now. Like, mm-hmm. he's, dude, he's huge. And people always, like, I'm getting the question out, like, well, why didn't you shoot him? I'm like, motherfucker. I'm like, you know, Mother Nature puts shit in front of me. I, I take care of business. Yeah, but, and you know um, me. When Mother Nature puts a deer out in front of me, what happens? <laughs> but... <laughs> Oh, there's there's another one standing over there. Okay, I'll just take that one too. Um, but uh, squirrel season, you and I did not get out for squirrel season this year. It's um, disappointing. Yeah, um, schedules didn't line up. Schedules, yeah. It's just it it sucks. But at the same time, like I, I got to get out and get me some squirrels. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So Streeter and I are going out uh, this coming Friday. So. Uh, we're going to the spot. I feel like I'm I'm cheating on you at this point when I say that, but um, hey, are I'm red bringing squirrels, them to the are, are red squirrels open year round? Yes. Well, we still got January, so I don't know what you're talking about, but <laughs> ah, I like where your mind's at. I like that. Um, hell yeah, dude. Let's go. But uh, the gray squirrel season is coming to a fast closing here. Um, and Streeter, he's like, dude, I want some, want some gray squirrel. I'm like, seriously? He's like, yeah. I was like, dude, done. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> A couple chirp chirps and yes, sir. But we didn't really get grays beyond, it was like halfway into that spot, right? Yeah, it was in that oak patch and that low depression. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't really get into grays over in the hemlocks. No, definitely not. That was all reds and turkey scratch. Man, that was a freaking murder scene. Um, so you ended up getting something new in the bag this year. Uh, we all did, but um, 
get it get into the details about like what you got though because i think we mentioned them before but yeah we mentioned like the minute details we've mentioned this before but i got a new lampson liquid remix three plus or minus fly reel and i was able to get this for free because i went to my local fly Mm. shop and he had a rewards program so shout out to Can uh, can i ask a question though to like kind of get the ball rolling here why the three plus, like, plus minus? What is that okay, for, like, so people that don't know? If you're looking at a fly reel, uh, you have different weight rods and different weight reels. So the three represents a three weight, and the plus or minus represents plus one or minus one. So you can use it on a four weight and a two weight. And the reason I got this, so I currently have a three plus or minus reel, but... One, it's not the best reel ever. Two, I have this rewards program, which allows me to get a free reel, so there's no way I'm passing that up. And this reel will work perfect on my rod setup. So if we dive into the weeds a little bit, uh, some anglers are a three, five, seven weight type of guy. Some are a two, four, six, eight weight type of guy. And I'm definitely in that category. I know I have a three weight, but I set it up so my four weight line will transition to a three weight rod. And I have my short Brookie stream rod, my L.L. Bean rod, it's a three weight, but I run a four weight line on it and it just overlines the rod, makes it a little more uh, slower action, which is great for small streams. But it's also good enough to use for my four weight nine footer on a big tailwater. So it was the perfect reel for my fishing where I'm mostly fishing four and three weight. So when you when you're buying a reel, keep in mind, <laughs> I guess this is like the the tip, the summative uh, tip here is that when you're buying a reel, just make sure like you're thinking ahead, mm-hmm. meaning, is this reel just meant for this one rod and this one rod only, or could this reel go on other rods with different lines and so on and so forth? So just make sure you're getting variety with your uh, with your reel. And we'll get into a deep discussion about that in a few moments here. But yes, that's the main reason I got that line or reel because it goes on my four weight. It will be able to go on my three weight. It's the perfect size for those two rods, and I. I don't fish a five or a six weight. So I don't need to worry about having a reel big enough for that. I have the perfect in the middle reel. And I was also able to pick up some new fly line to put on that reel because why not? (laughs) So I got, (laughs) I got brand new, uh, scientific anglers, uh, four weight forward textured floating line. And it's the same line I had on before. It's amazing. It's the best line. It's just, you can't beat it. It makes the best sound, too. Ah, I know. It's Yes. The the textured line is just game-changing, and I recommend it to anyone out there. I Like I learned from my fly shop, your trout reel isn't really important because all it does is hold the line, and that's a fact. So the line's way more important. <laughs> it's kind of like that thing where it's like, who gives a shit about your arrow? 
mm-hmm. what's the broadhead? Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And that's a whole different rabbit hole to dive into. But you, I, I hooked you up. I hooked you up with some good shit. No, 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 no. You, you know, you, you fucking, you set me up for life. That's <laughs> what you did. Yep. Uh, you, you got me some. You were a gold mine when it came to this. Um, you gifted me the uh, what was that? My birthday gift. That was the birthday Christmas gift. <laughs> Bro, you do you do too much. You're just ridiculous. Uh, you got me for my birthday slash Christmas eight weight Reddington cross uh, crosswater nine footer, and it came with a Lampson liquid uh, nine plus or minus reel. Which, dude, I'm looking at that thing right now. Mm. Hasn't even been used. Hasn't even been. Uh, wait, really? Yeah. Oh, because you bought it brand new. Yeah. Oh, never used. Um, you haven't taken it out, and it came pre-spooled. I mean, I've I've taken it out in my hand and just held <laughs> it and looked at it and drooled over it. But um, no, I I haven't fished with it yet. So that's that's new for 2023, and uh, that will be used for both stripers and big streamer rigs. Correct. Which I'm looking forward to both of those. I cannot wait cannot wait and you gave me another christmas gift on i did not expect this so i'm sitting in my basement he's just standing in front of me and there's a there's a rod case in the corner of the room and i'm like there's a fly rod out of the case and i'm like and you're smirking i'm going why is there a fly rod behind andrew completely assembled and it's still not hitting the ceiling I'm like what the hell so you hooked me up with a two weight TFO Pro Series, uh, one uh, six six feet, six six, six and a half six. foot. I don't know the exact length on it, um, but that was another gift by you and bro. Man, that- I haven't put it back in the case. It's still completely assembled, and I just, I just look at it. It's quote unquote <laughs> used. I would dare to say the condition was better than the Reddington, but <laughs> seriously though, like seriously. Um, and on top of that, cause I want to transition quickly. Um, you also got me like a whole cup full of just flies and half of those you tied yourself. Yep. yep. And I couldn't, I just looked at them. I was like, Oh, it looks like you just went to L.O. Bean and like scooped up, all those flies from like the cases and stuff. I was like, you can't tell the difference. It, it looks professionally done. And what's crazy is, I I look at your flies, and I would say you have none because I have so many I need to tie up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but with that new gift, with that two weight. <sighs> yep. <laughs> There's the side. The, there it is. The- <laughs> <laughs> this is the like what's my next purchase my next purchase well one is going to be those waiter uh waiting boots but the second one is which reel do i put on this two weight tfo yeah so that's a whole rabbit hole where i already know the line i'm going to put on it it's going to be a real creek line which is affordable 
I talk about the textured all the time. This is the one time we don't need to worry about it because the yeah, scenario yeah, yeah. in which you're fishing, you're not doing a lot of mends. You maybe won't even have your fly line touching water most of the time. So that's, Probably not, yeah. So that's not a big deal. But when you're looking at a fly reel, you have to look at your rod. You need to know, is this reel too heavy for the rod? Because you have a basically a cantilever beam in your hand. And if it's super mm-hmm. heavy on your hand, it's not going to feel right when you're casting. And secondly, Correct. you're going to want to look at the size of the reel. So you could have a small reel like my old reel that I used to run all the time. That thing has a less than three-inch diameter arbor, but oh. it is so heavy. It is mm. it's a hunk of metal. So you don't want it on the other side. So, of the okay, spec- let me ask you this. Would you do... Which would you prefer? Would you rather have a, a bigger but lighter reel, or would you rather have a smaller but heavier reel? So I would definitely go with the larger and lighter reel. So it's weight for you. For definitely it's weight. The feel. Definitely weight. Yep. Because it's it's gonna just feel better when you're casting all day, even though it's not gonna hurt. Like you haven't cast an eight way all day on the flats where your shoulder feels like it's out of its socket. But when you're rub ca- it in, rub it in. Go ahead. <laughs> when you're casting a two weight, <laughs> you don't want it to feel like it's gonna fall out of your hands. You know what I mean? It's yeah, almost yeah, like yeah. when you're holding a bow at full draw. There's some bows that just feel right. Yeah, yeah. So I got you. The other advantage to a bigger spool or arbor would be you get way less curly cues in your fly line. So when you're casting out, there's no memory uh, forming because it's not so tight. So that's oh. that's one of the reasons I switched over to the remix because that oh, is gonna oh, feel oh. great. However, with that rod on tribs, how often am I getting twenty feet of line out? Exactly. So there is there is your uh debate. But then you have to consider I got my remix so I could put it on my four weight. And I know that you now have a two weight, you now have a five weight and an eight weight, but a seven and a half foot four weight definitely needs to be in your repertoire. Just there's a very specific river where I see there's Christmas next year (laughs) where I see that rod being heavily used. So that, that comes into discussion of, what are we debating between? Well, obviously, mm. we're debating between uh, a remix, uh, Lampson remix, but you can also ha- get the slightly cheaper Lampson liquid. Or if you want to, you know, pair your, you know, you don't want to have a Toyota engine in a Ferrari. You could get a Orvis Bandkill reel to match the rod, which would be beautiful. But then you have more price. So there's there's definitely advantages to both of them. And to dive into the lamps and, you know, you get the versatility because there's a three plus or minus. So you can put it on a four weight for your future rod. Look at you. You gave me a whole list. I love this. You you have a very simple design of the reel where you literally, and those reels are, Mm. you just pop the spool out. And there's no screws. There's nothing. You just pop it out. 
Because it's en- what's the what's the concept behind that? It's engineered metal or whatever. Yeah, so it's, it's almost like, like one a, piece. It's just like a locking nut. You just slap it on, and it just the teeth grab, and you're you're set. And the lamps and liquid and remix are the same spools, and it's really easy to get extra spools, which is really key if you're going to use it for multiple rods. So you can just easily take that spool out, like I said. No screws, slap the other one in, take your other rod out, and you're ready to fish. Mm. And the price point is slightly better if you're looking at the liquid versus the Remix, but both those options are still better than the Orvis one. Mm. The Orvis, you know, it has the higher price, it has less versatility, but, oh, well, I would... Higher price? No, it don't. It... Well, it's compared to the liquid. Oh, compared? Oh, well, no, compared to liquid, it's the same. Liquid's what one twenty? Isn't the band kill more than that? Nah, it goes from one twenty to like one fifty nine, depending on the size. Oh, really? You go with. I didn't even know that. Yeah. Well, yeah. you get a that reel is specifically designed for that rod. Correct. Yes, you so are correct. You're, so you're that pairing reel it perfectly. Is correct. Correct. You are buying a Ferrari pipe to put on a Ferrari car. Exactly. Like, it's supposed to be together. And if you if you buy that bat and kill, it's like it ain't coming off that rod. Exactly. It's it's married to that rod. So you're gonna get a slightly better feel where the arbor size and the weight are perfect for that rod. Again, you can't put it on a larger rod in the future. So that that bears the question of what are you going to do? Right, you have to buy another reel. Yeah. So you got a lot of decisions to make. Yeah, I do. I, yeah, I do. But at the same time, like, I... I I ask you the question almost like every day. I feel like when I talk to you on the phone, but I just want to do this rod, this fly rod justice. I don't want to just be like, you know, I want to make sure I'm respecting it in the sense of like, I'm putting like a nice reel on it. Yep. Yep. My only question is like, and I'm sure of it, it's probably good, but what's the drag system on the Orvis compared to the Lampson? So... The Lampson reels all have a similar drag system, which is sealed, and you're going to get a much hardier drag. But a typical trout reel also has a disc drag, which is basically no drag. It's just enough resistance so you don't get spooled. And I, my old reel was a disc drag, and you can get either a normal drag or a disc drag on the Orvis. I looked that up. And when you used my rod and reel, you liked my drag, which is a disc drag. But I don't know if you liked the Clearwater's uh, drag system better, which would be more similar to what the Lampson drag system is. So it's... It's really tough. Not holding them in hand, it's really tough to know. Yeah, I would say that the Orvis Clearwater that I have, I would say, and you could probably (laughs) agree with this, 
I would say that uh, the past four trips, I've actually like correctly set that drag to where it needs to be. Yes, definitely, definitely. Because you used to have it so tight, so tight. Like ripping line out of it was a pain in the ass, and you grabbed it the first time, and that was when we traded off uh, three weight yep. for five weight. Yep. And you were like, <laughs> you're like, what the. F- Fuck! And you're like fucking cranking on that thing, and then you're like, "Oh yeah!" And when I got it back, I was like, "Oh yeah, that is a lot better. Like that is a lot easier to cast and and do what I gotta do." But yeah, so that's where yeah. when you're looking at a reel, the drag system isn't as important for trout. If you're looking at striper reels, that's why I got you the Lampson because yeah. you need a you need a strong drag because you will be spooled quickly and getting to the backing mm. is a different game. <laughs> so if it were me, I'll know once I bring my reel down and put it on your rod, but I would lean towards the Lampson as of now. But if I put it on that rod and I'm like, Oh, and obviously things change, but without yeah. having it on there, I would lean towards Lampson either one. And if you're out there looking for a good quality reel without paying 400 bucks, Lampson's the way to go by far, without a question. Don't even think about it. But mm. if you're trying to perfectly match up, uh, do homework, go to the fly shop, check out those reels. Is is Lampson like one of those? Because I'm not familiar with the uh, teams, I guess you could say. But like, is Lampson is Lampson like one of those companies that's like kind of underrated? I would definitely say so. Um, they do have high end stuff that will compete with any reel on the market. But it, I, if you go online, you're gonna see a bunch of people say uh, Lampson's the best bang for your buck. And I personally will never buy anything less than a Lampson because they're right in that sweet spot of price and performance. Anything below that, I ain't touching. But if you compare a Lampson to a Hardy reel, which you probably have no idea what that is, but that is a $500 reel and very nice, very, you know, there's a whole artistic theme to it. I will still probably go with the Lampson. So... Because who would want to beat a friggin' $500 reel off a rock? Exactly. <laughs> I want to be able to use my shit and not really think about it, but I also still want quality stuff, and that goes back to our year-end recap. You know, there, there's, a, there's a line between, you know, poor quality and decent quality. Like, you just pay for what right. you need type deal. So that's why if you're even going to start fishing, I would still get Lampson. Like, phew. You had disaster when you were down in Mass this spring with your uh, yep. shitty reel, and we had to get that Orvis Clearwater, which is a great reel, and I would, I would put that in the category of Lampson, but I would still lean towards that. So that's just my two cents on it. And a versatility. Like, I can put that bro- a reel on two rods, three rods. So. Yeah, I know. I know. I mean, I'm I'm leaning towards the remix. If I'm going Lampson, I'm going remix. Yeah, and and if I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna do it right. The difference between the remix and the liquid is liquid's all cast aluminum versus remix has a 
machined aluminum um, on the real side, not the spool side. So it looks cleaner. It's hardier. You know, it's not cast, so it's going to be a little tougher. But and I, the reason I got the remix was I didn't have to pay for it. So I got mm. the higher end one, obviously. But if your price point isn't that, the liquid is a great reel. I very I caught my striper on it, eight weight, beautiful, beautiful reel, and the small reels are the same size, and those spools are interchangeable. So yeah, yeah. I I'd be curious to see the the price of the bat and kill with an extra spool. I'd be su- I'd be curious to see that price, but and I would want to take that reel and put it on my four weight and be like, okay, can I handle it? Right. Then it's like, why would you buy yeah. an extra spool? Yeah. It, it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we got into the so weeds many, on this podcast and <laughs> so many decisions. Well, it's like. I keep going back and forth because, like, I'll wake up tomorrow and go, yep, Lampson, that's what I'm getting. And then, like, by the afternoon, I'm like, but the bat and kill would be fucking sweet. Yeah, it it would be. And that's, like, the tough thing where, like I said, you asked me this right when I gave you the rod. You were like, what reel would you put on it? And then I said, if it were an ideal world where money was an issue, I would go with the Orvis because I think it would pair perfectly. But realistically, and I'm def I always lean towards being uh, modest and realistic. The Lampson makes more Absolutely. sense. But yeah. we will know a lot more once I bring my reel down because it will be the same exact reel, same color, the smoke color. Like it will be the same reel if you get it. So it'll be great. Same to- size? Yeah, because mine's up three plus or minus. Oh, so it dude, would be yeah. So you have you have the fucking reel exactly. So when I come down to see you and we can actually put it on it, we can see is that the one? And I'll bring my old reel down, which is smaller diameter but heavy, and you'll feel like how heavy it is when you're holding it. Bring bring all the goods. Oh, I will just bring the goods. <laughs> and like we said yesterday, <laughs> and this will transition to the close of the pod. But uh, when I'm coming down, I'm bringing all my fly fishing shit because. I want to get on the water. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I said, like, yeah, let's fucking do it. Like, yeah. It's got to happen. It's got to. It's got to happen. It will happen. Hey, I'm just here just waiting, you know? You've been just... waiting all fall. What are you talking about? <laughs> That's a fact. <laughs> it's so true. Um, but, yeah, so with that, with that in closing... Yeah, we might have another pod for you uh, shortly after it's done. Yeah. So. Yep. That's a fact. But looking ahead, more fly fishing. You know, I may get into some ice fishing with these temperatures. Uh, I can't imagine so, but um, I digress. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as always, folks, get in the woods. And get on the water. <laughs>